For some time, we've been going at great length through a number of series. We just wrapped up a series on uh, the Gospels and giving an overview, a a big picture summary of them. And we find ourselves in an in-between season where there's no um, particular uh, theme that we are going to be hitting, no particular uh, series that we are going to be preaching through through the next next few weeks. Rather, it is our great privilege to have a chance just to, to sit and soak and marinate in the Scriptures As we take these next few weeks, our preaching and worship will be guided by the Revised Common Lectionary, which is uh, the calendar of readings that's held in common by churches all over the world, just as we are bound together in worship wherever we are worshiping uh, with all those in Christ's church at Dauphin Way. We are bound together with all the church and with Christians who are worshiping all over the world, hearing these same scriptures We've been hearing a lot from the Gospels, so this week we'll hear from a psalm, and then next week an epistle lesson, and then from the Old Testament. And today we get to hear from Psalm 103. I invite you to let the words of the psalmist wash over you as they draw us deeper into praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant. And remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord. You, his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding. Who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, 
Help us to hear. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but everyone I know who has been has told me that I absolutely have to go. And they always make their appeal to me in exactly the same way. They tell me the same thing about the experience. They say, pictures don't do it justice. I say, there is nothing like Standing at the edge and seeing its vastness spread out on either side, they describe standing on the edge and feeling very small. And they say somehow that feeling that smallness also made them feel more alive. I've never been to space, and I don't know very many people who have. But many astronauts report a similar experience, but multiplied by a thousand. They call it the overview effect, and they describe it as the almost religious experience that comes when they look back through the windows of their spacecraft at the Earth, at the incomprehensible size of our planet, and then they see how even the vastness of Earth is small against the backdrop of the Milky Way galaxy, and they think, who am I? And yet they also think all of that is home. It speaks to a fundamental spiritual need that all of us have to belong to something that is bigger than ourselves. If anyone ever tries to tell you that humans are basically selfish, then ask them to explain how is it that so many of us still continue to cheer for the braves? What do we get out of it? There is so very little personal gain to be had there. And even if we are fortunate enough to cheer for a good team, we don't get much material benefit out of the deal. No, we want to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves, that takes us outside of ourselves. And whenever we find that sensation within us, that sensation that comes from standing at the edge of the world or by wearing the team logo as the crowd swells, it's not quite right to call it selfish when what we want is something other than ourselves. And today's psalm tells us that the life of mortals is like grass. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And to some folks that may sound like despair. But this is not a psalm of despair or of lament. It is a psalm of thanksgiving and of worship and of praise. It is a song for a people who have sought out and seen a glimpse of the incomparable goodness and vastness of God. And these same worshipers are saying to anyone who can hear, you've got to see this. We aren't given much context for this psalm. We are told at the very beginning that it is of David, but we don't know the occasion or the place in which he wrote it. There's a good chance it was written later in his life, but we can't know for sure. About the only thing that makes it distinctive in this psalm is who it is addressed to. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all my inmost being praise his name. David is talking to himself. Self, bless the Lord. 
It's not the only psalm that begins this way, but it is one of the very few psalms that never actually makes the turn to talking towards God. Throughout the whole psalm, David is speaking to himself, telling himself about God, and he begins by reminding of himself that he knows God in a very personal way. He begins to speak from a very personal place. He says to himself, it is God who forgives all your sins. And heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with love and compassion. And if you know David's story, then you know that he is not exaggerating for effect here. He has come to know God from every human perspective that is possible. David has seen God from spiritual mountaintops, and he has known God in some of the lowest valleys imaginable. And I wonder, how do you talk to yourself when you are trying to get a little bit of perspective on things? Sometimes we talk down to ourselves. Come on, Precht, stop making a big deal out of something so small. And other times we talk a big game. I'm not scared. What? Me worry? I wonder how you have taken to talking to yourself over the last few months. What strikes me about the Psalm of David and that he gives to us is that he is talking to himself, but not about himself at all. Though he speaks to himself, he doesn't remind himself of anything that he has done or left undone. Instead, David reminds himself of all that God has done. God forgives God heals. God shows love and mercy. And we will never see the big picture unless we are willing to look for God in every single moment, to look for God's grace and to name that grace and to thank God for transforming and freely giving that grace in every single moment. If we talk to ourselves by saying, how good am I? How brave am I? How faithful am I? Then there is no answer we could give that would satisfy us. But if instead we ask, how good is God? We may find strength to praise. If we are able to stand at all, even with quaking knees, we can name that and say, this is grace. And if we are knocked down, then it is by grace that we're able to get up even on one knee. And once David begins to remember all of God's grace in his own life, he can't help but see the bigger picture because to quote the pastor Jim Wallace, David understands that God's big picture is always personal but never private. David begins to see that it's about more than him and he sees his place in the much larger picture of God's great work for all. David begins to tell himself, the Lord works justice for the righteous and for the oppressed. And if David had been looking at himself rather than at God, that would not be good news. If this was written late in David's life, then he has done some oppressing at that point in his life. He had abused his power to violate and to murder. 
But he was not afraid of the day when God would make things right because he cared more about God than himself. He knew that on the other side of justice, he would still find God. And that's how he is able to say to all of Israel, God will not always accuse. He will not harbor his anger forever. If you can see your own life in light of forever, then you'll find enough good to keep going today. David is speaking to himself, but not about himself. He is speaking to himself and to us about God. And when we find ourselves looking to God, It changes our whole perspective on things. Don't misunderstand. When I talk about seeing the bigger picture and learning to see things from God's perspective, I don't mean that we can overlook the hardships of today. If anything, we should see them more clearly. If you have a glimpse of everything that God wants, if everything that God wants to tell with God's story, you will never be able to be satisfied by anything that falls short in the same way again. Your heart will yearn and long for God's compassion. Your eyes will look for any chance to show abounding love. The more you know God's grace, the more you will see your need for it. But you can also have confidence that that grace is real, and active, and all around you. And you can discover that you are not alone. The wildest part of this psalm comes at the end when David starts giving orders to all his co-workers in grace. Praise the Lord, all you angels. Get on your feet. Praise the Lord, all you angel armies. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And don't you love it when all the voices of creation are lifted in praise? When David looks beyond himself, he suddenly sees that he's a part of a creation that is working with him. He is not alone. The angels are working with him. The heavens are working with him. All of creation is praising God with him. He sees beyond himself, Beyond even the nation of Israel, he sees a giant worship service in heaven with more voices in the choir than anyone could count. And that is a great comfort to me. One of the first things my first choir teacher ever taught me was how to breathe and how the different sections of the choir could stagger their breaths so that the song would not be interrupted. And I'm glad to remember that these days. Whenever I find myself wanting to belt out a hymn that I know I shouldn't, even now as we take a collective breath, the heavenly chorus is not silenced, and we are not alone. It's good to remember that, that we already belong to something much bigger than any one of us. That is very good, and that is what God loves to give us, is something good. That's the perspective I want us to walk out with today. That's the promise that I hope that we can trust. It's there in verse 5, the promise that God satisfies our desires with good things so that your youth may be renewed like eagles. And I wonder... How many of us can be satisfied simply with good things? For how many of us 
would good things be enough? Most of us would like something a little bit better than good. Most of us would rather have the best or the most excellent things. We'd like to be the best Christians that we can be. We'd like to make it a better world. We think in terms of comparison, better and best and most and bigger. And it always seems that the needs around us are bigger than our best efforts. It never seems that good is good enough. We cannot help but compare. And I remember Stanley Hauerwas, who got a surprise call from time magazine informing him that he had just been named the best theologian in America and his response to the editor on the phone was immediate when he said best is not a theological category God does not love us by comparison when God had finished creating had finished hovering over the waters and calling forth creation he did not look at it and say that's better. He did not look at any part of it and say that is the best. No. God does not love us by comparison. And if God did compare us, how could we stand? Wouldn't we always lose out in comparison to God? In comparison with the ocean-spanning, time-erasing, never-ending, ever-faithful love of God, we are just grass. We are flowers. We are dust. How could we compare to God? Even at our best, we are so very small in the grand scheme of things. But God's love means that we are not insignificant. God does not need us to be the best. All that God longs for is what is good. Like it was in the beginning when God made everything and called it good. Whole. Complete. What it was made to be. And isn't that why we worship? Because we just want to see something good good don't we long to stand outside ourselves just for a moment to be caught up in the moment to catch a glimpse of the one who holds us all so that we can say without any reservation to God if to no one else you are good isn't that worship and is there anything else that will satisfy we might begin seeking God for any number of reasons, but only God is going to satisfy. If we only ever pray to God for our own benefit, then we will never stop looking for someone who has it better than us. If we only seek God because we long for community and belonging, then we will crush our neighbors under the weight of our expectations. If we only ever seek God because we are looking for fuel to fire our righteous indignation, then we will burn ourselves down in our own home. But if we look to God for God's sake, beyond any benefit, beyond any community, beyond even justice, if we look to God for God's own sake, if we live our lives as an act of praise, then we see that every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
And whenever we do see fellowship and benefit and blessing and justice, we will say, this is good. And by giving thanks, we will be renewed so that we can keep running for another day. We may press on to find that healing that we prayed for reaches beyond our bodies into our very souls. That the community that we longed for is even more than we dreamed. It's in the, with the saints in heaven. And where once we burned with justice, if we know God's justice, we will discover that it rolls like a river and overflows its banks like a cold mountain stream. All these things, the blessings, the fellowship, and justice may be added, but only let us worship the one who gives them all. The Psalms are the prayer book and the worship book of God's people. And I know that an awful lot of us have been thinking lately about worship. The Psalms teach us that worship can take many forms. It can come with songs, and it can come with silence. It can come with laughter and lament. God can be praised in the midst of the sanctuary and in a still, quiet place and in the comfort of one's own home and even amidst the chattering voices of children. There are so many ways to worship. But let's never be confused. Let's never mistake the form of worship that we like best for the one whom we worship. And every time we worship, may we come looking above all to get lost in a story that is bigger than ourselves. May we tell everyone what God has done and all that God will do. And let us never forget that God is acting right now. And as we learn to give thanks in every circumstance, let us keep a holy perspective. Let us bear witness that only God can satisfy. And may all the words that we speak to ourselves and all the ways we talk to ourselves, may they all point us beyond ourselves to the one who is beyond compare. He gives good things. And only they will satisfy. Bless the Lord. O oh my soul. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.